You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. We hope wherever you're listening that you're safe and warm and dry and you're avoiding this pandemic as best as possible. I'm joined by my pals, Alan Schneider. Hello, everyone. And beautiful Brandon Jaggers. Hey, everybody. Big weekend. I'm heading out of town this Saturday, but definitely will be playing Gulfstream. Let's just let's make it clear. You're not in Miami, right? Correct. I'll have to pass, but I will be at the fairgrounds watching our little filly dream a little dream of you after about a four-and-a-half-month layoff. Uh, she's entered uh, down at fairgrounds in race nine, I believe, or ten. It's the last, last part of the card. Uh, her morning line, I think, was five to one, so she she may not be chalky this time out. And She's just getting back into racing. She's been training great, so we hope for a good outcome come Saturday. All right. All right. Excellent. Well, we'll be watching along for sure, rooting, rooting for our girl Dream, and Thank then, uh, uh, so, Alan, uh, this is a big weekend. It's the Pegasus World Cup. This is, I believe, uh, edition number five of uh, this interesting race. Uh, any uh, specific Pegasus World Cup memories that you might have? Oh, arrogate. That has to be right. Um, um, that, that was the first one. That was uh, that was billed as Airgate versus California Chrome in his retirement race. And then yeah, it, it actually a, turned out to be the uh, the uh, the debut. Well, not the debut, but it was it was kind of a crowning of Airgate as as the best horse in the country. Uh, Brandon, uh, I'll give you bonus points if you can name two horses that have Pegasus in their name. Ooh, two horses. Pegasus. Two horses. You got to name at least two horses. Uh, uh, this could be this could last thirty minutes until I bring up Equibase, but I don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh. All right, Alan gets to steal. Uh, uh, is there a daring Pegasus? Maybe I, I, I think there's a daring Pegasus, and uh, you're only missing the obvious one. Oh, uh, it's been a long Derby day at work. Kentucky Derby oh, one. Pegasus. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Enough chit chat. Let's get into the meat of the matter. Uh, we want to. Pe- we're going to handicap this beautiful card at Gulfstream on Saturday. This this is very very challenging, and to do so, we had to make a special call to uh, one of our previous uh, podcast guests, and that's uh, Will Nefker. And Will, uh, are you there? First of all, I'm here. Will helped us uh, handicap the Clark handicap card. Uh, the late pick five, I believe, and had I listened to him, I would have cashed the, uh, the at least the late pick four because I used uh, one of his selections in the last race. I can't remember the name. I think the name of the horse was Atlanta. Right. Atlanta, yes. Yeah, she won it like 17 to one, but the other horse I did not use. I was arrogant, and I left out a Brad Cox filly that won easily, and that cost me the pick four. But uh, uh, in, my, in my world, Will made a name for himself. Or excuse me, he he made a a name for himself that night, so uh, we probably need to have him on as often as we can. Uh, uh, Will, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. So, uh, 
how, how are you handling the uh, the pandemic? Uh, you know, just like everybody else, it has its ups and downs, and uh, horse racing has has pretty much been a constant through it. So that's been nice to have for people like us and uh, that uh, that enjoy horse racing, and it's our favorite sport. Unlike other people who their sports went away for a while and have come back since, but we've uh, we've been able to enjoy it pretty much all the way through. Now, what did you say before we got on the air, though? What 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 did you say? Ah, the pandemic. <laughs> I, I told you, you totally teed it up for me. I missed it. Yeah, no, I'm staying positive and testing negative. There you go. Okay, that's great. That's <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Hey, hey, Will, do you play Gulfstream very often? Uh, yes, I do. That's probably my main track uh, in the wintertime that I'm playing. Yes. Great. So we're in we're in good hands because I think this card is really really tough, and so we're going to need some insight here. Uh, guys, we're just going to, we're going to cover the, the, the late pick six or excuse me, the, the pick six, the final six races on the card. But, uh, let's, let's start with, uh, the first few races. Uh, Will, is there anything that stands out to you in like races one through seven? I know there's a stakes race, uh, race, uh, race four is the Fred Hooper and it, and it's the return of uh, performer. And right. seven to five morning line for Shelby McGahee, and, and this horse has always had a huge following. But uh, it, it, any races outside of that one that uh, that stand out? Do you want to talk about? Yeah, outside of that one, race six, the maiden special weight, the seven furlong race, which I uh, am calling the hidden scroll race because that's that's the race that he where he un, he debuted and unveiled and unleashed himself on the rest of the field and ran about a 114 buyer. So that is the uh, the equivalent race on this card. Okay, so let's uh, let's dive into this one real quick. Uh, like you said uh, before we come on the air, that uh, <clears throat> excuse me, number ten, Stage Raider. This is a half brother to Triple Crown winner Justify. He's by a Pioneer of the Nile, debuting for Chad Brown. Uh, I got a feeling you're. This is not the horse you're interested in, though. He, although if uh, word gets out, he's uh, right. uh, have to uh, justify that, that he might take some action. Yeah, I'm I, I'm sure that the, the word is out or the uh, it will be out very soon, especially because of your the reach of your podcast. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, other, yeah, that, you're right. I mean, he's probably going to, and he's tra- he's trained by Chad Brown, and it, as you've you know listened to me talk about on, on the previous podcast, Chad Brown always takes money, um, and especially at, uh, in New York and at Gulfstream Park. So, um, I'm probably looking elsewhere, and I um, first and foremost, the uh, looking at the one horse, Holy Redeemer, uh, two races back, ran the ran seven furlongs at Churchill Downs, ran a really sharp race, um, came back the next race and didn't run quite as well, but had a bit of a troubled trip and was trying to stretch out. So now um, trainer Ed, uh, Ed, Eddie Plisa uh, turns him back, puts the blinkers on. First time Lasix for all these three-year-olds. They couldn't run on it last year as a two-year-old. Um, and uh, and, and great post position, too, for, uh, for the running style. So I think the one is the obvious um, play here. But other than that, uh, the five Quantum Leap um, also had a pretty nice race on debut and um, was a little green and um, also looks to be working well. Um, Ian Wilkes usually doesn't work his horses that fast, and this horse has had some pretty sporty works down there at Palm Meadows. So those two, 
based on past performances, based on uh, pedigree, which in a lot you got a lot of first time starters here, so you got to delve into the pedigree sometimes. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the 11 marching um, out of a dam named War Tigress, who um, had a pretty good race record herself, uh, but also through uh, uh, a uh, a filly that um, named War Heroine. So it's a half sib to marching who was uh, in six races one out of six starts won four including a grade two now that was on the grass uh, but it at least shows that this um this dam is throwing can throw a good uh can throw a runner so i think marching is a is a horse that you want to use uh, other pedigree plays i would say are the six um prevalence of course you got medallia d'oro bred by godolphin Trained by Brendan Walsh, um, and you've got a you've got some black type and a half sib um, named Liberta, or I'm sorry, Libretta, a half sib to um, to Prevalence, who won a state bred, or I'm sorry, a stri- restricted New York Stallions uh, uh, race, and um, so you so you know that dam can throw runners. Um, other than that, I'm looking at the Twelve Traveler, um, maybe purely on the name alone because that's the name of Stonewall Jackson's horse. And if you mm. and if Windstar Farm and China uh, Horse Racing Club um, are going to name a horse that particular name, they must think it's pretty good. So, um, uh, so that's what I'm looking at. Okay, uh, just curious, uh, how would you play this type of race? Would you hook some of these horses up in a pick three or, or uh, a similar type wager, a, a horizontal, or are, you, or are you looking vertically? Right, so um, in a race like this, I, and, I, and, and as you all know, I usually am, am playing, I'm, I'm a horizontal player uh, mainly, almost exclusively, really. And so there are a couple types of races where I, uh, you know, you don't. It's not a hard and fast rule, but I consider them spread races. And one is a maiden, a maiden race like this with a bunch of first-time starters. And other ones are another one is a, are cheaper claimer races where there are just so many unknowns and so many X factors that it, it's probably a spread race. And I would I would probably spread um, and find other legs of the horizontal wager where I'm more confident about something um, and more confident maybe I can beat a favorite and then hopefully use this race to try to pick up a price. Okay. I was just looking here, maybe at a possible pick three. I, I, I'm a fan of performer. I, he didn't mm-hmm. get a great trip uh, last time in the cigar mm-hmm. mile. That's just backing up two races to race four. That's the Fred Hooper stakes. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe something like performer with a spread in the fifth race, which is allowance optional claimer. And then maybe pick, you know, three or four of the ones I really like out of this six. Or some of the ones you mentioned here. I think uh, maybe maybe get some value somehow that way. Um, going back in this, this sixth race, the race or the number 10 stage raider, Chad Brown always seems like he takes money with these first-time starters. There's always one that's – he's always has horses that are, that are working well in the morning. seems like they never – pan out in the afternoon he, it's always the turf horses for him and th- this mm-hmm. is this is one of them the son of pioneer of the nile 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Guys, uh, Alan or Brandon, you, you want to chime in here on, on race six? Oh, I mean, he covered it real well. And uh, the, the race is so loaded with uh, hot, young talent. You don't know what's going to happen. I didn't even mention uh, the Pletcher horse, Gazali for Shadwell. is a million-dollar purchase at uh, Keeneland September last year out of Curlin. Uh, and Todd Pletcher's had a great meet so far. Uh, the pregame. Rusty Arnold has a nice-looking one. Uh, ran real well first time out. The two-horse, Julian Leperu. Uh, the highly-regarded V-Beat, this horse closed a lot of ground, navigated through traffic up third. There's a lot of right ways to go in here. I, I'm with him. It's, it's a spread. A spread as a horse player and watch a race with interest as a fan because you might see s- some really, really nice horses come out of this race. No doubt about it. How about you, Brandon? Yeah, I, I think Will and really covered it well and he has some of those tools at his fingertips to really dive down into the pedigrees which i still have yet to sign up for uh the drf <laughs> but uh, you know he's definitely right I, I thought one that that definitely i wanted to mention a little bit was exalted charm uh, uh kelly breen has been training this horse i think those works are very very useful uh going into a first time start and you get joel rosario up i mean obviously you get a great jockey colony but uh, that might be an interesting horse to play you know anchor down out of tap it i don't see a ton of anchor downs i, I don't recall many of them but they've done well they've done well from what i've seen yeah i'm gonna ask will to to dive down for me to see sure. how, uh, some of that offspring and definitely the dam you know maybe outside the card but I, I really would would like Will said and and everyone else spread in this in this race. Um, I love this card though. I mean, we got a lot to go, so I I'm just going to put out that Exalted Charm as one of my uh, top picks and probably a pick three. Okay, well let's talk about the Rainbow Pick Six sequence. That's uh, races seven through twelve. Uh, Will, do you pay do you play the the Rainbow Six very often? I only play it on mandatory payout day. Yeah, I think that's a good policy. Yeah. Uh, Brandon's never seen a wager he doesn't like, so <laughs> it, he plays he he plays all all way all the time. Like Twenty cents, twenty cents base bet. If you find a single, <laughs> you can get home. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, the first leg of this is the Marshalls River. It's a Grade Three, a mile on the turf with a relatively short run to the first turn. The favorite, morning line favorite, is number four, Vigilante's Way for the Phipps. And Shug McGahee, Julian Leperube takes the mount, and she was last seen going wire to wire in the Tropical Park Oaks. Uh, this is a very nice race. Uh, ten, ten fillies and mares in here. Uh, Will, we'll start with you, and then we'll work our way around the table. Uh, Will, what, wh- where are you at in the Marshalls River? I landed on the eight, tuned. Um, going basically on a trip on the trip uh, last out was left at the gate uh, was wide the entire race five wide um, and had this really great late run was was probably the best in the race uh, but just had a a pretty brutal trip so um, based on that just a visual eye test if you will and a morning line. I'm, I'm just looking at the morning line for the first time. It's eight to one. Um, I was. I'm a little surprised. It's eight to one, based on just the way I, what I saw and what I looked at in this race. So, 
I was actually thinking about singling that horse in the pick six. Um, and the other the other horses I came uh, came up with that I like that I I would if I'm, I'm going to play usually when I play the pick six uh, I play a larger ticket and then a skinnier ticket um, I'm definitely going to either single or play the three Zofel if I pronounce that correctly with the eight um, on a on a smaller ticket um, off the bench with that one right running style dangerous horse I think. Um, and, and just to back up a little bit, I am playing to off the pace on this turf course. I think traditionally um, this turf course, the Gulfstream turf course, plays to off the pace. It's very difficult to win on the front end. And, of course, you know, they've got these different distances with the rails out um, that can throw a wrench into that. But generally speaking, um, I play horses that are coming off the pace at Gulfstream Park on the turf course. So that's what I'm looking at here, and I'm. You're probably not gonna in in the entire sequence of uh, when you listen to me tell you who I like. You're probably there's probably not gonna be a single speed horse in it. But um, go ahead. Oh no no, it's, it's a shame because there's a speed horse I like later. <laughs> <Just> go ahead. <laughs> uh, so uh, beyond that, the uh, you know on a larger ticket, I would use the um, the nine. Uh, Nico's Nico's dream um, one last out and beat the horse that I really like tuned in that race uh, that horse is just trending in the right direction and, sh- and definitely should be there in the end um, and then the other horse if I go you know, on, a, on a larger ticket would be the 10 sweet by and by uh, good company in the last race looks like part of the pace uh, but uh, it's got a bad uh, get a bad post position for it so I am going with a bit of a pace horse there but uh, really concerned about the uh, the post position for that one. Backing up, let's talk about Tune real quick. Uh, do you all remember this mare, Zagora? Looking Chad at her, Brown. Yeah, looking at her Brown. past performance. She won a, a Philly Mare Turf. Yes. Here yeah. at yeah you know, at age five, uh, around 2012, and she's she's uh, won several great ones and great twos and hit the board several times. So yeah, it's good to see her off string do well uh alan let's go to you now what do you like in the uh the marshwoods river well i hate to sound like i'm piggybacking uh our expert pal but he he named the two i liked in here uh i like tuned uh eight to one i don't think eight to one is gonna happen there's a little question mark because this is a mile race and you know uh going to mile 16 he's got to pass them all or she's got to pass them all but I, I like Tuned and I like Zafel because I think Zafel is a horse we were all howling a, a year or so ago for Brendan Walsh. And showed a lot of talent early. It's kind of tailed off a bit, but I'll throw out the race with newspaper record last time. Um, I, I don't have a strong opinion. I'm probably not as strong on the race as uh, Will is. But, again, those would probably be the two I would lean to. I said Flavian Pratt's in the race, too. He's taken a evil Lynn for, for Maker, who's been a great claim for him. Uh, but he's coming in from the fairgrounds after racing not long ago. I might use him uh, defensively, but I hate to I hate to steal your picks, Will, but I kind of like the way you're leaning there. Hey, guys, let's talk about that. Uh, you, you're talking about number six, evil Lynn, shipping in from the fairgrounds. Guys, do you, what – do you all make anything of horses that ship from, say, Louisiana to, to South Florida? I mean, you looks like to me there would be some type of acclimation process you'd have to go through before you want to really use a, a, a filly like this. And this is going to come into play later on in the card, too. Uh, 
how do you feel about horses going from Louisiana to Florida? Go ahead, Will. Well, I, you know, there, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule for me. I, you know, will just look at it the same way pretty much that I would any other uh, horse coming from any other place. I want to see, I, I want, I'm more interested in seeing what kind of company they kept uh, wherever they were racing before. Um, but no, nothing real hard and fast for me, no. Well, it turned out it was a bad question. I'm looking down here. This filly's got three works at Palm Meadows. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 question's been solved. It, it's no uh, no problem at all there. So even though her last race was at Fairgrounds in late December, uh, Brandon, let's go to you. As after I screwed this up, uh, who you like in the uh, Marshwas River? Well, you know, I'm kind of going the opposite direction here from some of our uh, guests and and Alan tonight. I really drew a, a lot of attention to our baby Ruth uh, for Eddie Keneally and Luis Saez. And, and the reason I'm looking at that horse a lot is I'm not looking at the most recent run at, at Gulfstream. I, I don't like that race. Uh, I don't know why the horse got tired, maybe because that's not the distance or at the time she was trying to uh, kind of stay on the lead and just got tired running that type of race. So I'm looking for this horse to, you know, the previous race where she ran against Dalica. I think Dalico is a great uh, mayor uh, that I think just won at fairgrounds last weekend. So I like that company, that horse. That was a heck of a race uh, with Tyler up. Uh, going back to Louis Saez, I'm not, I don't like that necessarily. That's one knock. But I think for a 10 to 1 price and on a, a sprint well on a mile growing grass, I really love that horse. Uh, and Zofel, it's kind of interesting. Once Will brought that horse up, and Alan, uh, that Paul Meadows work on January 12th, uh, 57 flat. I mean, whoa, that's real fast. So I'm curious about how this horse is going to run that race. Um, obviously, it, it looked, if you go from the last line, it, it wasn't quite a, it's not a closer in that one. But I mean, if that horse is on the speed and on it and hasn't raced and, quite some time uh i'm now drawing my attention to that horse quite a bit i'm not playing vigilante's way or great sister dana i like evil lynn a lot uh because flavian really takes them out and uh you get flavian maker that's a combo i don't see a ton here at gulfstream uh because pratt's mostly on uh, santa anita right now but uh i thought those were killer as well as sweet by and by so Really, I'm focusing on Sweet By and By, tuned or not tuned. Gosh, you guys talked me into that one. So Sweet <laughs> By and By is, is the 10, Evil Lynn the 6, and I'm coming to Baby Ruth, the number 2. Okay, let's talk about race 8. This is the first leg of the late pick 5. It's the La Prevalent. Excuse me, the La Prevalent. <laughs> keep going, keep trying. The La Prevalente. Nice. That's right. Grade three, mile and a half on the grass. The favorite on the rail will be always shopping for the Todd squad and the Rad Ortiz, three to one on the morning line. Will, let's go to you first. Who do you like in the Le, the La Previante? <laughs> you all know that feeling when you, you, you look at the entries for the first time and you see that horse that you're, you really like show up in the race and you, you kind of get those that warm and fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Well, that's 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 me with Sister Hanan. I am a big Whoa. fan of Sister Hanan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and 
she could be a single for me. Um, I've always liked this horse. Second off the layoff, lightly raced, fired off the bench. Um, she should be undefeated in her last five starts. Uh, I The two races that she lost at Gulfstream last winter, the last uh, championship meet, she should have won both those races, but for bad trips and questionable rides. So um, that's where I'm landing as my top pick on this race. That said, always shopping, going to be tough, tough to beat. Very visually impressive in that last race. Um, And, you know, I think that the way this looks like it's going to shape out pace-wise, always shopping probably is going to be forwardly placed. Uh, Sister Hanan is going to be taking her usual spot at the back. Um, So she's going to have, so always shopping is going to get the jump, most likely. And it's going to be tough uh, to run her down, but that's where I'm headed. The um, the other horse that I, I'm uh, I'm liking in this race and on the larger ticket, uh, the larger ticket I may I may use is the seven Heavenly Curlin. Um, really liked uh, the last race for this horse. Stride looks like um, their daddies. Takes a while to get into it. Curlin, that's it, that's what I'm talking about. Takes a while to get into it, but once she does. She just keeps going. 12 furlong should hit her right in the eyes. So synthetic form uh, should transfer very well. That's an interesting pedigree on that uh, on that filly. Curling out of Taste of Heaven by Encosta de Lago. That's a uh, yeah. That's an Australian pedigree there. That that horse uh, that stallion has uh, done well in Australia. So that's interesting. That that's a a nice mixture of. Uh, stamina and and uh and dirt and turf and and that's uh yeah that's definitely an interesting filly alan let's go to you let's talk about the your your top pick my top pick be the one that we'll just mention heavenly curlin it's a question mark as to whether he'll, he'll um she'll transform that really good poly track form to, to the turf but if she does come off that easy easy mile and a quarter win at woodbine uh, I think they've got high hopes for this horse. I like the way they took their time with the first couple starts and uh, got to the two turns on the poly, and it's been uh, lights out since then. Uh, at a mile and a half, I'm willing to take a chance that this is what they want to do with this horse. So I like Heavenly Curlin. As he said, Sister Hanan, I'm a big fan of the horse. Have been for a long time. I, want, I remember it was at Ellis last year. CC, I really wanted to play the horse, and he, she scratched. But... Uh, yeah. Mile and a half. I wonder about the mile and a half. Is this a mile and a half horse? I'm sure it probably is. They probably know the horse. So you have to use it on your ticket. And I'll give you one little bomb in here. There might be a bomb. I'm not really sure. But I'd keep an eye on Lovely Lucky. I'm not really usually that crazy about uh, Tom Albatroni horses. And this, class-wise, this horse might not figure. But it's two for two with Jose. And that last race... Uh, Found himself, found herself on the lead. Might want to track the pace under Jose, and if that happens, maybe the horse can last a lot longer than she has been. But I'm looking at Heavenly Curlin as a top pick, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep an eye on Lovely Lucky for a bit of a, for a bit of a bomb. I want to go back to this uh, Heavenly Curlin again. I, I just can't get over this pedigree. I looked it up here. The mare Taste of Heaven is a half sister to a grade one winner down under named Redouch Choice. Redouch Choice. I've heard, I've seen that, that stallion in all kinds of pedigrees down there. 
and another one named Platinum Scissors. And John Secura bought this mare in 2014 for $1.3 million at Ooh. auction. I think that's at the Magic Million sale. That's the big big sale down down in Australia. So uh, I would say this uh, this filly has got a uh, yeah. You got to take a second look at her. You know, and she's nine to two. So obviously you're, you're going to look at her anyway. But anyway, I, I I get a kick out of these pedigrees. So that's uh, that's interesting to me. Brandon, let's talk about your choice in the La Previante. Yeah, I uh, I always found this. I love marathon races. They're so much fun. I never typically want to be on a, a two to one type price here, like what I'm sure always shopping will get, and you know, respectfully so. Horses is, is very good. Horse for the course, if you will. You know, two wins out of three starts. That's pretty strong. I'm not on Sister Hanan, but I, I get Ben Ben Colebrook to me can bring some bombs from from time to time and i think you'll get a great price Corey's having a decent meet down there uh and when those guys uh, pair up they're you know they're shooting pretty well so uh kind of where my i kind of focused on which i think someone picked as their bomb was lovely lucky uh for uh, thomas albertrani i thought this horse had a, a great uh great opportunity here to stretch out make that mile and a half I don't think they knew what they were doing necessarily in that grade one, taking all the speed, uh, really changing the form of the horse, trying to be on the pace, got tired. Uh, I think that was probably a little bit uh, of just a, a chance and just how to how to run that horse. So uh, I do like Jose getting back on board. Like they said, two for two is with Jose. Uh, I know those, those races probably didn't have a lot of pedigree in there, but uh, I do like that combo. Heavenly Colonel is definitely a star for me. And I thought Johnny V and Todd Fletcher, I always play Johnny V on the turf. Uh, Cap de, de Cirrus, uh, the number nine horse. I'm, I'm, I'm spreading as you can hear. And then court <laughs> return out of court vision. I'll never, I'll never get the court vision story here at, at, at Churchill, but, uh, I think this horse will really like a mile and a half. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been in grade one and grade two up in Woodbine hasn't been down here, but, uh, except for that one race. And I think that one race was just a warm up. never really pressed, didn't do much. It did run home pretty well, but I think that that race was definitely, I hate that it was a hundred thousand uh, listed stake race for a tune up. You'd like to see an optional claim or something like that. But I think this horse could be a really powerful play underneath. Uh, with court return. All right, let's uh, go now to the late pick four. First leg of that late pick four. Race nine is the inside information. Seven furlong stakes for Phillies and Mares. It's grade two. Brandon, who was inside information? What? Who trained? <laughs> who trained inside information? That's not on the script for tonight. I was not aware. I was got to answer a difficult question, Craig. So I'm going to ask Alan. Pass it to Allen. It, it would be Shug McGahey. Shug McGahey for the Good books. job. Good job. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the favorite will be Cinnabunny at 3-1 to one for Brad Cox and the Mattaquette Stable, Michael Dubb, et cetera. This, uh, this four-year-old filly, daughter of Golden Lad, came off of a third-place finish in the Sugar Swirl, going six furlongs. Now she'll stretch out to seven furlongs. Will, let's go to you first. Who do you like in the inside information? 
not a very strong opinion in this one. Um, and uh, so my strongest opinions are uh, you've probably already heard on the on, in this sequence are going to be on the are front loaded on the first two races. I am going to use the three Bronx Beauty um, just based on look on, on, on watching that last race and uh, especially the stretch running in a deep stretch. And there was a lot there was a little bit of bumping um, going on. Uh, I thought Bronx Beauty probably got the best of the deep stretch run out of any of the the three that came back in this race. I think it's three, maybe four. So using her, uh, using Sally's Curlin, the seven, um, this horse ran a huge race last year in the Hurricane Birdie over this course. And um, if she gets the pace, which I think she may, um, and seven furlongs may be a little too short for her. She may need that extra furlong, uh, but she could be coming. Le- she could be rolling late. Um, also using um, the four. Uh, this is my time, and um, I think that horse is actually going to get the lead, be on the lead. Um, and I don't think that there's a I, there, there's pace in this race, but it, for a Sprint race, a greatest stakes sprint race. I don't think it's going to be ultra hot. So before this, uh, this is my time. Could uh, I, I project to have the lead? And um, if there's not much pressure on uh, on her, then she could take them all the way. Um, and then finally, Sound Machine the eight um, again comes out of that the Sugar Swirl, the Grade Three with Bronx Beauty and Cinnabunny and um, I think that um, that she um, projects she she projects as a bit of a stalker and probably a stalker in this race and uh, could sit a trip, um, especially coming from that outside post position, all the speed to her inside, um, sit, sit a nice trip and then kind of stalk and pounce. So those are the four I've got. Okay, Alan. Um, I know a horse player is not supposed to do this uh, in theory, but I'm gonna pass. I don't have a strong opinion. I really yeah. don't, and I'm hoping one of you guys can give me some inside information. Uh, the only thing I'll add to what Will said is he mentioned this is my time, and I would just like to give Edgar Zayas a shout-out because uh, he's not a household name across the country, but he is riding as well in Florida as anybody is. So um, I always kind of pull for Edgar. Outside of that, I'm, I'm going to take a, a mulligan, if you will, and then let you guys discuss this one. CC, you take my spot. I, I I agree with you. This is a wide open race. I I want to make a note on number seven, Sally's Curlin. They had her entered in the Phasic Tipton sale back in early November after the Breeders' Cup effort, and her connections turned down a million dollars for her in that mm-hmm. sale. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, so it's interesting they decided to keep her because she's she's got a great pedigree. They'll probably run her in the sale next year, and she'll bring million dollars again but uh thought that was interesting uh brandon let's go to you then let's uh let's uh give me opinions on the inside information yeah i'm pretty focused on just three horses here uh sprinting you know definitely sounds Cur- sally's curlin is my top choice uh usually curlins like to go a lot further than uh the seven furlong but i mean this you got this philly or this mayor coming out of breeders cup philly mayor sprint i mean the horse was entered, didn't do well. I get it, but uh, I, I really want to focus back on this horse and and think that this horse should be running pretty strong. 
and, and turn in a different form, I would think, uh, from what happened in November, December. So uh, I'm also on Sound Machine with Safi Joseph and Jose Ortiz. I think this horse is going to be really hard to be, uh, could be very fast. And then uh, this is my time, or this my time. I think uh, that little Gulfstream Park West little listed stake, you know, one by 11. I mean, Drew Clear driving wasn't the favorite in that race and one by 11 lengths. Uh, so I think those are my three. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not on Cinnabunny at all. I mean, I mean, you're shipping out of parks and then you ran a Gulfstream. Well bet. Didn't look great in that race. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think Cinnabunny is really anything that I'm going to cover in this, uh, this race. You know, Brad Cox trains that Philly, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? Yep. I, uh, you know, you need medical attention. Pod, no, no one can be that fire. I, I thought that his day was last weekend, and, and I don't think it's going to be, uh, well, in this race at Gulfstream on Saturday. <laughs> hey, I will give an excuse. Now, let's go back to this thing about uh, acclimating on, on number two, Cinnabunny. Oh, know, yeah. She had, on November 28th, she worked at Churchill. They shipped down to Florida. She had to work on December 6th, and then she runs December 12th. And, you know, she ran third at even money. I, I would be, you know, the odds aren't what they what should. They. But I think I would be willing to give this filly a second chance just because, you know, she's acclimated now. She's 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 been working down there. At and I would add that uh, she, she ran against Ladies Island that day, right? It was a really, really fast horse. This horse didn't get her preferred running style because you're not going to get the lead from Ladies Island. No chance. Presuming, I'm presuming Ladies Island got the lead that day. So, and so this horse did not have a preferred running style, and she still came running in her first try for Cox. So, I, I can't say I'd throw the horse out. I can't, I can't say that. Okay, let's go to race ten, and this is the W. L. McKnight, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, Grade Three, going a mile and a half on the turf course. Uh, Brandon, what is W. L. McKnight famous for? <laughs> He invented the orthopedic uh, knee. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know either. I, just, I don't uh, either. I want to put you on the hot spot. It's a it's it's a, a well-known turf race, I guess. That's the best I yeah. can come up with. Uh, hey, didn't Zulu Alpha win this last year? Uh, Zulu Alpha was in the the big race, the uh, the uh, the Pegasus turf. turf. Was it? So this one was Lay Lay Peru last year at thirty-seven. Yeah, Spooky Channel one. Spooky, yeah, yeah. That was You're my big right. price in that pick four, which I hit on Pegasus last year. So yeah. let's this, just take note of everything that I say, because I'll be right again. I guarantee it. This is the race. <laughs> yeah, this is the race that knocked me out because I didn't have Spooky Channel. So, uh, and I, this year the favorite morning line favorite is Sadler's Joy, three to one, for Tommy oh, Avatrani yeah. and Jose Ortiz. And this is an old warrior, but. He's old for his last eight. I think he's a beatable favorite here. Uh, Will, what, what say you? I agree. I, I, he's going to be one of the ones I use, but I, my, my top pick is going to be the one, Doswell. Um, last trip out, uh, ran against what I think is a good horse, and we're going to talk about in the next race, Largent. Ran second to him, had a really tough trip, and still ran on really well, and had a, a nice strong gallop out. So I think the mile and a half, is going to be something this horse can get um also based on pedigree 
Sadler's Joy, I mean, you know, eight years old now um, and still is just in really good form. And uh, credit to you know, trainer Tom Albatrani uh, to keep a horse in this good of form for this long. Um, you know, tip of the hat to the trainer. Uh, just very consistent. Uh, again, is, you know, look, is the type of running style that I'm looking for on this turf course here at Gulfstream comes running late in that um, in his last race he didn't get up in time uh, but he should showed his usual late run uh, I expect him to do it again the six Sir Sahib um, is a horse that is trending in the right direction in his last three starts he's um, been running better and better and better and so this might be where we see a, him get a peak performance. Uh, so I'm going to use him as well. He ran second to Say the Word, uh, who we'll talk about in that next race as well, the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational, uh, the next race, which is the next race on the card. Um, and then finally, uh, another old uh, um, warrior of the turf, uh, of the turf on, especially on the East Coast, the 11 Channel Cat. He's... He's uh, he runs in them all too. He's six now, and uh, you know he's looks like he may have tailed off a little bit recently. But this is his second off the layoff. He ran pretty decent in that last race. Got the running style that I prefer. And you look at those workouts since that last race. Some pretty sporty works. He may be sitting on one. Those are the four I've got. Okay, Alan. All right, this is it's very depressing because Will didn't mention my potential single in the sequence <laughs> and now i'm upset maybe i should just go ahead and pass again but uh i like tide of the sea in here uh i know uh the last race again comes out of the largent race that doswell comes out of but he did he did not break that day he was ranked at the start uh the horse wants to be on the lead and i think in this spot where there is not a lot of speed I think he can get to the front today with a much better break. He gets Tyler G back. I just realized I've picked Tyler G quite a bit so far. But the last time Tyler was on him, went a mile and a half at Keeneland. Much easier field, but aired that day. Beat Logical Myth, who's come back to one twice at the fairgrounds. It's proved to be very tough. Um, I think the horse is going to get to the lead today. Dawson is the one that figures to his inside. But Doss was only clear, uh, cleared the 1X condition, where Tide of the Sea has cleared the 2X condition. I know Doswell beat him last time, but again, I think the trips in that race kind of kind of throw that, that race off a little bit. I'm going to wager that maybe Tyler can take this one. For Mike Maker, Mike Maker likes to, like to uh, get these marathon horses ready to roll at these distances. So I'm going to take a shot with Tide of the Sea. And I'm also with Will there. I think Channel Cat might be sitting on a pretty good one, too. So I'm going to stake my fortune to uh, Tyler Gapley on this spot. Brandon. Very hard. Very hard race. I, uh, you know, Sadler's Joy. What are you going to do with this horse? I mean, it's just always around. How old is this Superfecta. Horse? Superfecta. That's what right. you do. That's what you do. This horse is 18 years old. But then you get Jose Ortiz on board today. He's never been on the horse that I know about, you know, at least on my PPs going back to 1987. So <laughs> I would think Sadler Joy might be live here. Okay. So I'm going to play it. Uh, but I really thought about a bomb here <laughs> and I can't get off it. And I'm laughing just because 
I hope this is the one that comes home for me. If this horse doesn't come out kind of rank and flying off the gate, going a mile and a half, but it's the number three, Mirna K uh, for Marla Munoz and Edgar Zayas. I just think, I, I mean, this horse is really fast. I remember the Keeneland run. Uh, I, if, if that horse can perform like it did at Keeneland that day, I think it's it's going to be a, a really tough one to beat. And it, it may go and never turn back. So he is definitely uh, <laughs> my play uh, in terms of being in my pick four. Doswell is going to be included. So that's the one. I'm taking the three. And then Sadler's Joy. And that's all I really got to say. Maybe Sir Anthony, only because Julian helped me out last year. I'm going to rely upon him again. So I'm going to go four deep here just because of that. Yeah, Sir Anthony pulled off the shocker in the uh, two-mile Allen yeah. Jerkin last time. That was uh, interesting. As the horse doesn't doesn't have a doesn't have a whole lot of uh, turf influence at all. But uh, yeah, that horse was was live that day for sure. Uh, all right, let's talk about race eleven. This is the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational Grade One Mile and three sixteenths million dollar purse. And the favorite for the Todd Fletcher Barn, number five, Colonel Liam, coming off a, a very impressive victory in the Tropical Park Derby, going a mile on the 16th back toward the end of December. Will, let's go with you again. Who do you like in the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational? You're not going to ask Brandon who Pegasus was? <laughs> well, I think. I think we've got a theme going here right now. We'll just let him off the hook. Uh, this is a spread race for me. Um, I am using Colonel Liam. I, I, I do think a lot of that horse, but um, I, I really like Largent um, and thought he was uh, very impressive. He's a horse for the course out of five starts at Gulfstream Park on, on the turf course. He's got four wins in a second, so I'll be using him as well. Um, the four, North Dakota, uh, huge, huge run his last race out. Very visually impressive. He came from the clouds. I know you hear that a lot, but he really did come from the clouds. And if he, stay, if he stays in the kind of form he was in his last race in uh, late November, uh, he's going to have something to say about this one. Uh, beyond that, I'm also using the – where are my notes? Ah, the 11, uh, yeah, I just mentioned him before, Say the Word, who um, who beat Sir Sahib, who I mentioned in the last race, and then after that race, the Northern Dancer, the grade one at Woodbine back in October, he comes back in late November in, in Del Mar and runs a third beaten, a total, one, uh, uh, a total of one length uh, by Arklo, um, he ran third that day. He was one length, one length behind Arklow, who we all know um, as a uh, top turf horse um, in, uh, in the country right now. And then finally, I'm going to use Social Paranoia. Again, another horse for the course. Angle, Gulfstream Park, turf, four starts, three firsts and a third. Second off the layoff. Uh, and in his last race, made a big sweeping move. And then just... Kept on going. And so second off the layoff um, from last July, he may be sitting on a nice race too. So 
no strong opinion. I didn't know that we could take an El Paso. I'm going to keep that in mind. Uh, not saying I would have done that on this race, but it is a spread race for me. No real strong opinion. Okay. Will didn't men- mention the winner. Uh, Alan, let's go to you. Let's see if you can uh, if you can pick the right horse this time. Well, let's see. I, uh, I'm, oh, I, I think I know who CC likes. He probably likes another twist of fate, is my guess. That said, uh, Will mentioned Todd Pletcher in here, uh, his horses, and I think I think the winner probably comes from that trio. I will just say that the Todd Pletcher horses in here, Colonel Liam, Social Paranoia, and Largent, are a combined. Uh, let's see if I do my math real quick in my head. Eight of ten, eight wins and ten starts on the Gulfstream lawn with a second and a third. That's a pretty impressive. I'll take those three horses. Number, I like Social Paranoia the most. I love the last race. I love the race at Kentucky Downs. I'm a little concerned that the neither Ortiz is on the horse. It's Luis Saez today. If you hold a gun to my head, make me do a top pick. It's Social Paranoia. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of Largent, as Will said as well. Does Brandon know who Largent is? Do you guys know who Largent yeah. is? I got Brandon, that one. Yeah. Do you know who Largin is? I still got mute on my phone, so I can't answer okay. that. Uh, CC, do you know who Largin is? Well, yeah, he was a wide receiver. For? The Seahawks. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim Zorn, Steve Largin, back in the day. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning on social paranoia with Largin. Again, I think Colonel Liam can win the race. And uh, beyond, I mean, I'm sure I would use someone else, but if I had just those three horses, I would be okay, but uh, the win money would go on social paranoia. Okay, Alan did mention the winner finally. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> let's go to you. Let's let's see if you can confirm who the winner is going to be, and uh, and then we'll go on to the final. Race. I know why you like that horse too. I can see why you like it. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, you know, it's funny that Will and I were pretty much on the exact same horses, except. You know, I thought North Dakota was 100% what Will said is, is really going to be tough in this spot. I like the little break that this horse has had in coming into this race. Uh, Jose Ortiz gets the mount, not Corey. Uh, very interesting there. Uh, I thought, you know, depending on how the day's going, in my pick four, I was going to play breaking the rules uh, with Suge McGahee's horse here. I thought this would have a great shot, been training well. Uh, uh, you know, I can't say anything else, but it did get beat by Largent, so, uh, but didn't have such a great start and got bumped coming out the gate is, is kind of what the comment line is. But uh, I thought a, a bomb, a big bomb here is Joe Bravo on Aquaphobia. Uh, Mike Maker, I mean, let me tell you, this horse has run against all these horses and has not done that bad. Uh, it, it tends to always get out finished here and there, but, you know, been laid off, but, but having good works in the morning, you know, it's an old horse. Uh, if it's really warm down in South Florida, 90 plus degrees, these older horses loosen up and they come home and I guarantee aquaphobia being the top four. So I'm making a guarantee on the podcast, aquaphobia and the top four finishes and my big bomb selection in this sequence. Uh, but then the rest, I'm I'm with you guys. Social paranoia and say the word. But man, oh man, uh, I think Aquaphobia's got a shot. All right. Okay. Well, the, yeah, the winner of this race. Yeah, the winner of this race will be the eight horse. Another twist of fate. Uh, he he has come to hand for Peter Miller, and he gets Joel Rosario. I went back and watched his race at Santa Anita. 
January 2nd in the San Gabriel. And he, he just set up shop on the outside of a, 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 a runoff and he caught the runoff fairly easy. Now, the, I will say the runoff did finish second. So the, the race probably did favor speed a little bit, but we, you know, fast forward to Saturday, there's not a lot of speed in this race either. It looks like storm. The court's probably going to be the, the, the pace setter early and he doesn't necessarily want the lead. So another twist of fate it once again is going to set up shop outside the leaders, probably in second, third or fourth. And like I said, he's just, he's come to hand for Peter Miller and, you know, uh, he, he can get several, several good efforts in a row out of a horse. And I think, uh, I think this guy's setting up on a, on a, on a big, big effort. And, you know, this race is, it's competitive, but it's not a, there's not a lot of really great horses in here for a million dollar race. So I think, uh, I think this horse is live and that's all I've got to say. So don't at me. Duly, duly noted. All right. Don't at, you say don't at me. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> all right let's go to the big race on the card the 12th race is the pegasus world cup invitational three million dollars mile and eighth on the dirt brandon mucho Fire. gusto excuse me mucho gusto no that's not no prior to be to to the race being converted to the pegasus world cup what was the name of this race for many, many years? <laughs> what you oh, God. I wasn't even born yet. You guys have been handicapping ten more years plus on me. Granted, the race is four years old. <laughs> what was That's what, what was it before that? Huh? It's got four it's got four letters. It's got four, four letters. letters. Man's name. Or last or name. All right, that's you've taken too much time. It, it was uh, the Don. It was called the Don Handicap prior to uh, Frank Stroning changing the name four years ago. So, uh, anyway, so well, this is this is another interesting race. It's a full field of twelve. The favorite will be Nick's Go for the Brad Cox Barn, and we all remember what he did on Breeders' Cup Day, going twenty-one and four, forty-four and two, one hundred eight and one in a two-turn mile race at Keeneland. I, obviously, the you know we know now that the, the track was kind of souped up that day, so you know the fractions, albeit were fast, they weren't. Uh, well, they were still fast. So just, oh, they were fast. They were fast. <laughs> they were insane. Going for two-turn mile race. Uh, there's one stat. This was this came from Mike Welsh, the Daily Racing Forum, in one of his articles. Uh, posts nine through twelve over the last thirteen years at a mile and an eighth on the dirt are ten out of two hundred and twenty-five for four percent. So that yeah, it's post nine through twelve. So you get code of honor. Uh, breaking from post 10 you got mr freeze broken ba- breaking from post 11 that almost seems like it would eliminate their chances i'm i'm a little cool on code of honor anyway but will let's go to you who do you like in the pegasus world cup well let's start first with who i don't like and i'm playing against nick's go um, i am not using nick's go in the sequence uh mm. at all so um now i don't I know that the picks, the Rainbow Six was emptied out yesterday, which was Wednesday, for, to the tune of $636,000. And I don't, usually Pegasus Day is a mandatory payout day, but I don't, I have not read or heard whether or not that's the case. In any event, uh, like we've discussed before, um, I typically, 
in a sequence like this, look for a look for a spot to play against a favorite, um, and this is the spot I'm going to do it. So, what I don't like about Nixco, I guess, is where I'll start is a few different things. Number one, um, I think he's going to have a lot more pressure on him in this race, pace pressure than than he has in the past. He's got He's got it to his inside. He's got it to his outside. He's not, I don't think he's going to get the easy leads that he's gotten in the past, or at least, if not easy leads, not very, not very much pressure. Um, and first time he's gone this distance, yes, he's been two turns before. And yes, he's had a blowout win at two turns, um, two starts back. But first time going a mile and an eighth. Combine that with the pace pressure I expect him to experience, and I'm looking for horses coming off the pace. Um, and the first one I'm turning to is Coastal Defense in the two-hole. And last race out for Coastal Defense was the Clark Handicap. That was the last time I was on your show. That was the horse I, I think I picked in that race um, and, and talked about um, liking in that race. He ran pretty good. He ran a decent race, um, but nobody was catching Bodie Express that day. Um, that in that race, the Clark Handicap cap has turned out to be a bit of a key race. You've got Title Ready, who was pretty far down in the also rans, came back out to win a Grade Three last Saturday at Fairgrounds, I believe. And then you had Phantom Cur- Currency, who was well down in the also rans, who came came back next uh, next out to win. Um, it was a deep field. It was a it was a, a very nice field for that race. Um, so I'm relying on that and um, um, promoting coastal defense and code of honor. Although you're right about that post position at Gulfstream Park, it is a killer. Um, I remember at one point Barbaro was the only horse that had ever won from the eight hole out at a mile and an eighth in Gulf, at Gulfstreams after they um, they re, they renovated the track there. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. I think Honor Code is the probably the best horse in the race. I'm going to use him as well, but you know that that post position is tough. The other horse I'm going to use and rely on in the horizontals is Tax, the seven horse. Uh, really nice race coming uh, coming off the bench last out in the Harlan's Holiday, went to the front, but did it really easily and just and, and had a hand right in. V- very visually impressive. So this will be the second off the layoff. Um, he'll probably be, be part of the pace, but he's got a lot of that speed to his inside. And so he'll be able to sit a trip. You know, Saez, yes, aggressive rider. Uh, you usually count on him being aggressive and taking a horse to the front. I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't do that and that he watches the inside, watches to his inside, uh, see what develops, and then maybe try to sit a trip off of that speed to his inside. Um the other horse that I would possibly use, not uh, is in a bigger ticket, definitely, in a smaller ticket, probably not, is the eight Harper's first ride. Uh, really thought his his last race was a solid. He's a solid, solid horse, number one, and his last race was very visually impressive. I thought, um, and he's not without a chance if he stays in that t- in the form he was in in his last race, and I think he's got a shot. Um, so those are the ones I'm looking to. And, uh, again, I'm playing against Nick's go. Okay. Alan, uh, will, will with the bold proclamation, he's, he's going against the, what's likely to be a heavy favorite here. Alan, where do you land? 
I completely understand his reasoning on Nick Skull. Nick Skull is a, is a question mark. If I used it, I'm going to use it defensively, use him defensively. Uh, as he said, he stretched out to mile and eighth. Brad Cox kind of spit the bit a couple times last weekend at the fairgrounds with Sun Path and Mandolin. Uh, expected more from him. The thing about Nick Skull that, that strikes you, though, that uh, second piece, pace figure in, in the Breeders' Cup mile, 128. That's That's insanity. That's insanity. Uh, that said, I will completely acknowledge that Nick Skull might err in this spot. I mean, you, you just don't know. Um, I'm going to try the rail on Sleepy Eyes Todd. Sleepy Eyes Todd's in good form. Uh, coming out two seven furlong races, but he's wanted a mile and eighth a couple of times. Uh, I don't know if the pace scenario works for him. I don't know if he – I don't think he has to be up near the lead. Uh, I think because he's coming out of these seven furlong races where he – he uh, he came from off the pace. Maybe he can rally from off the pace here. He won a mile and three, a mile and eight race at Charlestown. That's like three three turns. So I'm gonna think maybe with the horse being in good form, likes to run inside. He went he won it on the on the inside at Keeneland and uh, on Breeders' Cup Day. So I'll, I'll take the in form sleepy eyes Todd and hope that maybe he can sit a trip and that he doesn't have to be on the lead and run him down. But I, I do think Coastal Defense and Code of Honor could figure as well, too. But you may, make me pick one. I'm going to take Sleepy Eyes, Todd. Okay, Brandon, uh, give us a winner in the I'm Pegasus. I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked that Baffer didn't ship anybody out here. <laughs> I needed them, you know. I needed, like, a Mucho <laughs> Gusto, and I don't see it. But um, – Interesting plays. I'm not on any of the horses outside. I do feel concerned about Nick's go, but from what I'm hearing on the backside, the horse has been training like an animal. And it is an animal, but it's going <laughs> to bite your head off when it comes home running like crazy and wins. So the only thing I see is this maybe this horse fades a little, but I got a feeling that ain't going to be the case. Uh, Nick's go is going to be a single on one ticket for me. On the other ticket, I think Jesus' team, this horse has been a hard knocker, gets around every You're time, right. pisses me off every time, <laughs> and he deserves to win. So that's I'm starting to part with that a little bit and make him a deserving you know, top choice on my second ticket, as well as Independence Hall. Mike McCarthy, I've become a fan of the Mike McCarthy band, uh, band uh, brand, <laughs> uh, especially with his East Coast, with his East Coast horses, but now coming west, this horse has been working pretty heavy and pretty steady out at Santa Anita. I wish that the horse would have had more time, but Santa Anita is just as hot as South Florida. So I think I think that horse is going to be pretty well acclimated and, and fine. I hope it. I hope this horse fires at a big price. I don't really like the distance, but Independence Hall has gotten some works in the belly. These are big works, big time. So I'm I'm really sticking to the three, four, and the five. And that's what I'm going to play. Uh, but I also thought Harper's Ride on my other ticket definitely had a chance. I mean, this horse is in great form, heavily bet, uh, carried, you know, max weight the last couple times at 125, gets a couple pounds off here. Uh, you know, let's let's see what this horse can do because it's been on a good run and, and knows it can cover the distance. I, nothing in the morning seems to surprise me. None of those late works and, they're, you know, you got a Gulfstream Park work, and it was dead last. I mean, what was the horse doing? Like skipping on three legs? I don't know, but uh, I guess that was by by choice. 
And, you know, I'm kind of a fan of the painter sires. If we can ever get our painter Philly to actually run, I'd love to see it. But Harper's first ride uh, would be a, a really a bomb choice. The same with Independence Hall. So I, I'm just going to play four regardless. I like some of Will's picks. Coastal Defense, too, is, is an interesting one, really, uh, that if I can if I can do a bet share with some of my podcast buddies, uh, <laughs> I would want Coastal Defense in there. All right, well, let's talk about Nick's go real quick. Uh, there's some pluses and minuses to this horse. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, it, I'm really on the fence. I'm, my, my plan is I'm going to single Nick's go. But I'll probably come back with a with a secondary ticket going deep in here because uh, so let's let's talk about the pluses. The horse is a freak. He he's probably going to be on the lead, right? I mean, there, nobody yeah. is going to go with him. Right? And so I think sometimes these two turn races kind of tend. I think you want to be on the lead sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but you run them off their feet, run them off their feet, run them off their feet. I mean, this, this, this field is like, like the race before it's good, but it's not great. Uh, and this horse is potentially great. Now the minuses are he, he's run, he, he, he's run three of his best races at Keeneland. He's got five wins out of 17 starts. He won three, three races at Keeneland. He won one at Oaklawn. And I think he broke his maiden at Ellis. So he might be the type of horse that uh, was it. What, what's the what's the term they say? He needs to carry his racetrack with him. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, of course, when he when he moved to the Cox Barn, he's he's three for three. So, but then the last thing I want to say as far as a negative, you know, as we talked about, he just he's shipping in basically on top of the race. He had a workout last Saturday at Fairgrounds, going a minute three is a bullet work, but you know now he's got to run in the heat at uh, Gulfstream. So I, you know, I, I, I think you can find reasons to play for him and play against him. So I don't know if, but I like, uh, like you guys, your guys' uh, alternatives to uh, Nick's go here. So let's wrap it up. And I'm going to ask each of you your best bet on the card. And we will talk to Will first uh, just, just give me one horse that you can, uh, that you're going to rely on, to, uh, to make some money on Saturday. I want to go back to Sister Hanan. I think uh, I, I looked at the morning line just for the, for the first time as we were going through these, and I, she's 12 to one in the morning line, and if she's going to be that, yeah, if she's going to be that type of price. Um, that's that is the that's the value that as far as I see it. Okay, Alan. Um. In the WL night, uh, what's the morning line on Tide of the Sea? Do you have that there, CC? I'm just guessing Hold on. seven to two. I'm on my way. One. I'm on my way. It's uh, ten, ten to, to one. one. Ten to one. Well, then there's your answer. I'll take Tide of the Sea. All right, Brandon. Brandon says all. <laughs> no, no, no. He wants to bet um, all the horses. <laughs> no. I, I'm, I will tell you who I'm not going to play in the sequence is that Cinnabon or Cinnaberry or Cinnasugar or something. Sin's going to not be in my ticket. Cinnabon, uh, the two horse in the in the yeah, ninth. That's not for me. Um, you know, I'm kind of going back to our baby Ruth. I mean, really in race seven. So the number two, our baby Ruth for Eddie Keneally. I like that that horse ran against Dalica. 
and Matilda. Matilda, I remember that horse a couple times doing pretty well. Um, and then that big bomb that uh, I think that South American bred, Minarique. Uh, I, I mean, if, if you got to find it, you got to find it somewhere and you know it's going to happen. That's where I'm going. So, you know, call me crazy, but it happened last year and I'm going to play it like that. And I will have an expensive pick four. I'll probably skip the pick five. And I may not play the pick six either because it's just going to be too expensive. But uh, unless my podcast buddies want to send a pet share to me, uh, we'll see. then uh, I, I think, I mean, it, it should be fun to play some verticals on, especially on the big uh, marathon type runs on turf. Um, and, you know, Nick's go, I, I think, is is pretty darn logical. And the way I've been hearing that that horse is a beast. So. Uh, that form's carried over from Breeders' Cup. Uh, you know, that's going to be a really tough challenging, but Independence Hall would be a fun look to see if there's going to be a price. But uh, I know I didn't give you one. I gave you four or five, so <laughs> there's that, okay? Yeah, we know, Brandon. We know. <laughs> TCU, what about you, pal? Uh, another twist of fate will be uh, the one I'm going to depend on the most. Um, and then, uh, you know, probably I'm, – I'm, it's probably going to come down to Nick's go if he can go wire to wire in the Pegasus. I know that's that's taking the easy way out, but that's how I feel. So. Well, I'd also add that Nick's go might be a very nice uh, horse to put on top of a, a Superfecta or something of that nature in case uh, if, if you feel like the horse is completely the best horse in the race, and he very well may be. Uh, that's that you can make you make quite a bit of money in the Super in that race, uh, just even with the horse of that caliber on top. Right. Well, I, yeah, I think a horse like Coastal Defense can come in underneath if you can get Nick's go home and, and, and really. Nick's go, if Nick's go wins, if he does win, he's going to kill off a lot of the speed. So that would be, as, as Will said earlier, it's going to either the, the race will set for a closer on the win end or if Nick's go wires, it'll set up for the closers underneath, in my estimation. Right. All right. Well, that's it for uh, for our for our analysis of the Pegasus World Cup, hope that uh, everybody has a uh, lucky day. Hope uh, somebody cashes some tickets. Hopefully, one of us picks one winner on the card at least. That'd uh, be nice. Yeah, for once. Uh, so, uh, first of all, we'd like to thank uh, Will Nesker for joining us, and it's always a pleasure to have Will on the show. And hopefully, we'll have him for for many, many more in the future. Heck uh, yeah. And uh, we'll I hope to uh, hope to see you at uh, Churchill come uh, come May. Hope they they allow patrons in. We we can hang out in the gold room again. Yeah, looking forward to that. And so uh, on behalf of Will and on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, this is CC Broadus reminding all of our listeners across the country and around the world, gambling money ain't got no home. <laughs>